Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day is about the timeless value of cacao. It turns out that classic era Maya money in the late 600s and 700s actually did grow on trees, at least where conditions allowed. Cacao trees grew in Tabasco, Mexico, and a few other places with humid river valleys, heavy rainfall, and protection from sun and wind. And the Mayan rulers at Calakmul in Mexico and Tikal in Guatemala collected annual tributes in cacao beans, not coffee beans, even though those also grow in the same regions. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Today's guest is someone I literally look up to because he's taller than me, and for many other reasons, None other than Tony Robbins, uh, number one New York Times bestselling author, entrepreneur, philanthropist. For more than four decades, millions of people have enjoyed his warmth, humor, and just transformational power in Tony's business events, his personal development retreats, uh, which I've had the honor of attending uh, multiple times. He's the, the nation's number one life and business strategist who consults and coaches some of the world's top athletes, entertainers, Fortune 500 CEOs, even presidents of nations. And interestingly, and you might not know this about Tony, he's the founder or partner in more than 30 companies, 12 of which he actively manages in a bunch of different industries, including virtual reality, major league soccer, uh, top resorts and spas, companies with combined annual sales of $5 billion. And today, Tony's coming on the show so we can talk about his most recent book called Unshakable, Your Financial Freedom Playbook, where he talks about how he went from uh, this these incredibly scrappy stories as a young man building his business to this very unusual position of being able to manage a dozen companies at that level of performance. It's, it's just about unheard of, even in the world of successful business. So we get to pick his brain. Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Dave. It's a privilege to be back with you. 
what made you at this point in your life where you've changed the lives of of millions of people? Some of my favorite entrepreneurs cite your work as as being what you know, lit their fire. Uh, so you've already had this this personal transformation level to become uh, uh, to become an expert on the financial side of things. What was your motivation for doing that? Well, there's only a few subjects that really impact the quality of your life in a significant way, right? It's your emotions, it's your relationships, certainly your finances and your career. And so I've always actually taught these principles, fundamental principles, and I've coached Paul Tudor Jones now for, gosh, 24 years, I believe it is now. Uh, and he's one of the top 10 financial traders literally in the history of the world. And so I've learned a lot in that area, and I've not a lot thought about in this area. But when 2008 happened, uh, I did extremely well because, you know, you make more money when things are burning down than when they're growing, if you understand what you're doing. Um, but I was just devastated to see the number of people that around me that were hurting uh, I saw people that had been incredibly successful financially just take gigantic hits during that time in their businesses and in their investments. And it made me nuts. And I remember I kept thinking somebody's going to do something. And two years later, around 2010, I saw this documentary. Um, and it was really a systematic breakdown. It won the Academy Award, but a systematic breakdown of how a small number of people almost took down the world economy. And then the punishment we gave them was to give them more money. <laughs> just, so by the end of this film, I mean you're, you're either you know you're either totally depressed or you're totally pissed off, depending upon your personality. I was the pissed off type because depression doesn't change much. And so I thought, what can I do? I'm just one guy. Well, I could interview 50 of the smartest people in the world because I've got access. I mean, literally the smartest people in the history of finance: Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio, Carl Icahn, right? Paul Tudor Jones. And so I thought, if I do that, I can then figure out what's really working in the system. I can get the, I can get an unassailable view of what it takes to succeed. And so I end up doing this 575-page monster called Money Master the Game. I'm really proud of it. You know, Steve Forbes said there was a Pulitzer Prize for an investment book. This one, you know, hands down, we got huge endorsements, great impact, number one bestseller. Um, and I fed a lot of people because I donated all the money to Feeding America. So we fed 400 million people in the last four years, to give you an idea. And we're going to feed a billion over the next six. But I wrote Unshakable because in the midst of all this, I realized, my God, we have the longest bull market in history now. We were approaching it at the time. There's going to be a correction. There's going to be a bear. And if we're not smart, people are going to go right back to what they did in 2008 and they're going to get hurt again. And I don't want to see that happen. I wanted to write a book that somebody could read in a weekend, literally a millennial who thinks they have too much debt and they just, they don't think there's a future. And I want to show them exactly how they can succeed. You know, and somebody on the other end, you take a baby boomer that thinks it's too late and show them that they can still become financially free. And so that's why I wrote the book. And I'm really proud of it because it's not me. It is the works of the greatest investors in the history of the world. And the only part that's me is the psychology side, which very few people would argue that isn't my expertise the last 41 years. <laughs> so it's, it's a beautiful combination. And I found just tremendous stories of people changing their lives as a result of this. And this book also, I donated 100% of the profits. So we're going to feed another 100 million people over the course of this. So anybody who picks up the book for themselves will also feed 50 families, which I'm really excited about. Now, you have the book broken down into three sections, and you talk about uh, wealth as a playbook, but the area that's most interesting to me is is the psychology of wealth. And Tony, the reason that's interesting is that when I was 26, I made $6 million, uh, which was awesome at the company that held Google's first servers. Uh, when I was 28, I lost it uh, because I did not understand the psychology of wealth. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do people do wrong when they think about wealth or when they, they have emotions around wealth? Like what's getting in our way? Well, you know, we all have a two million year old brain, right? So yeah. 
And that brain is not designed to make you happy. It's designed to make you survive. And it deals with money issues like survival. You know, there's no saber tooth tiger that you got to go run from now. So now the brain worries about life and death. Oh my God, do I have enough money? What are people thinking of me? And it has these insane reactions. And so, you know, part there's a whole chapter in the book that's all about the biases that we have that show you that your own brain is the probably the biggest challenge of becoming wealthy because you have all these conditions in your own psychology. There's, you know, confirmation bias. When we want believe in something, we don't look to disprove it. We live to prove it to ourselves. Well, in investing, that's disastrous. You talk to Ray Dalio, he'll tell you his number one thing is to find educated people who disagree with him violently. And he wants to interact with them because he wants to see what they're seeing that he's not seeing because he knows he can't see it all. You know, it's our nature as human beings to think in terms of recency. You know, oh, this is going well now, so it's always going to go well. Or it's going terribly now, it's always going to go terrible. There are seasons, there are economic seasons. And they come around every 20 years. And there's cycles that are shorter than that as well. But if you understand that winter always comes, some winters are long, some are short, but they come. In other words, one of the facts that most people don't understand around investing, it keeps them from investing is, oh my God, you know, I don't know when's the right time to do it. You know, the market has been up for a long time or the market's due for a correction. Well, 5% of the time the market in every year, on average, 5% of the time the market hits a new record. So when you hear a new record, new record, new record, it's about once a month. So you get an idea. That's <laughs> true over history on an average. Now, sometimes you have long periods without it and longer periods with it. And what people don't realize is there's also a correction. A correction is a technical correction from the high of 10% drop or more up to 20. Once you hit 20, it becomes a bear market. Um, and so these corrections happen every year since 1900 on average, every single year. And here's what's crazy, the average correction is you lose 14% in the short term. So if you react, you're gonna lose your money. But if you stay in, like I'll give an example, two years ago, you probably remember in January of 2016, we had the worst stock market opening in January in the history of the stock market. $2 trillion melted down, you know, they went to Davos where all the wealthiest people in the world said, what do we do? You know, the market's down 9% in January alone. And, you know, they asked, you know, Ray Dalio, the greatest hedge fund investor in the history of the world, what should we do? And he said, don't panic. There's there's one of these every year, you know, and it's it, we're not 80% of those, by the way, don't become bear markets. 80% don't. So he said, you know, don't need to panic. And he actually said on CNBC in the middle of this panic, Read Tony Robbins' book. He said, I did an interview with him and I showed you exactly what to do in this situation. So if people understand that our minds are not gonna help us, we have to direct our minds. And the best way to do it is to understand that there are cause-effect relationships that create regular patterns. And just like there's seasons, and we know the order of the seasons, we know some are long, some are short, but they don't, you never skip winter, right? right. And you know that winter isn't forever, it's followed by springtime. So look back at 2008, 2009, the market drops 50%. People are in total disarray, freaking out. But if you didn't freak out, what happened in the next 12 months has happened in every single bear market in the history of the United States for centuries. And that is it becomes a bull market. So we went up 69% in the next 12 months right after that. If you didn't panic, like if, if you got on, if you, you know, put your money in the market on the worst day, like an hour before the crash, you're up 300% right now. So it's like, it's just ridiculous that people don't understand. So I wrote this book to be a, a financial playbook for anybody to say, here's how I go from where I am to where I want to be. And here's how to get my mind so that it's helping me instead of hurting, hurting me. And here are the strategies of the best investors in the world. You talk about having buckets. What are the different buckets that people ought to be thinking about with their money? 
Well, there's two financial decisions. One's a financial decision, one's an investment decision that are the most important. And the first one is the most basic, and we all know it, but not everybody does it. And that is you've got to decide to become an owner of businesses, not just a consumer. You don't want to just own an Apple phone. You want to own not just Apple, but you want to own the companies that are the strongest in the world and that have the opportunity to grow at the highest. So first you got to decide there's, I'm going to be an investor. And the only way to do that is say there's a percentage of what I earn that I'm going to set aside to invest no matter what. I'm going to take it off the top. I'm never going to think about it again. You know, I, I, I give the example of Theodore Johnson, who's a UPS driver uh, in the 50s, and he never made more than $14,000. But a friend of him pulled him aside and said, I'm going to make you a wealthy man. He said, we're going to take 20% of what you earn and make it a tax, a wealth tax. He goes, I can't give up 20% of what I earn. I can't live on the 14 grand I got right now. He goes, listen to me. Once, if the government came in and said, there is a 20% tax, you'd say, I can't pay it. I can't pay it. And you'd pay it. He said, you'd adjust. He said, once you adjust, your life will change. Well, this guy never made more than 14 grand a year, retired with $70 million. True story. Wow. And he gave away 35 million while he was alive. Because he became an owner, not just a consumer. So that's the first decision. Now I want to answer your second decision is the one you're asking about. The most important investment decision is your asset allocation. It's a technical term in investing, but all it really means is you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Any idiot knows you've got to diversify. Well, where do you diversify? Well, the first thing you got to do is realize some investments are more secure, but more less risky investments that are more secure tend to give you a less, lesser return. They still give you a return, and if you're willing to do things through time, that lower return is safer and will give you a great return. Then there are things that have more risk to them. I think we call them the risk growth bucket. Those are things like real estate or stocks that can go up unlimited number amounts. I mean, if you invested back in you know, 1974 and, and Walmart, when everybody in the Wall Street Journal was saying, this guy's out of resources, and they were wrong, and you put in 1000 bucks, it's worth $25 million today. Wow. You never did a single thing. So there's unlimited upside on that potentially, but there's also unlimited downside. The company could go bankrupt. The real estate could be worth a lot, it could be worth a little. So you have to decide how much money do I put at low risk environments, kind of a security bucket, where it will grow slower, but more likely, how much do I put in the higher risk areas where I might have higher growth, but I also could lose it all. And that has to do with many factors, but a couple of them are, number one, how soon do you need money? If you're young and you're in your 20s, you can make a lot of mistakes and still make up with it because there's so much time. If you are, you know, somebody that's, you know, getting your five years from retirement, then you can't afford to take the same kinds of risks. That's number one. Number two, you got to know what your risk tolerance is. And everybody thinks they have great risk tolerance. But as you know, people go to my seminars and we often play games. <laughs> I have a game where I'll, I'll just suddenly say to everybody, stand up. And I'll say, make change with other people. And I reach into my pocket as this, I'm making change so they know what I mean by it. And then for five minutes while a song's playing, maybe or three minutes, they exchange money. And people reach in their pocket, and some people take out a buck, and some take out 10, and some take out 100. And this change, exchange happens. And at the end, I just move on to the next subject, and invariably, somebody's pissed off. And they raise their hand, and they go, I want my money back. And I said, what are you talking about? That guy's got my $100 bill. I took out a $100 bill. He took out a dollar. He gave me a dollar for a $100 bill. I want my money back. And I said, well, first of all, who said it was your money? Second of all, who said the game's over? And third of all, why the hell did you give him $100 for a buck? <laughs> and why and if you're stressed over a hundred dollars you're never going to make it in investments because you're going to lose more than a hundred dollars at times all investors lose money so how much you know what's your real risk tolerance because you don't want your investments to make you have more stress you want the investing so you have less stress and then finally the third one is what's your access to cash flow 
So, you know, you and I are at a stage of our lives, we've done very well, we got a lot of access to cash flow, we can afford to take more risks. It doesn't make or break us. But if you're in an earlier stage or a later stage, you don't have the cash flow, then you have to make the decisions differently. So are you gonna do, you know, 70% security, 30% growth? Are you gonna do 30% security, you know, 70% risk growth? These are factors that are more art than science. And I encourage people to get with a registered investment advisor, a fiduciary, it's a big word, but you know, most people don't realize that of the 310,000 financial professionals, of which there's 200 names for, wealth manager, individual wealth manager, you know, advisor, they got all these terms. 90% of them are brokers. And there's nothing wrong with a broker. The only problem is they're just a salesman. So they don't necessarily have the skill. They are taught what to sell. They're incentivized to sell the things that the company makes the most money on. And these companies are not bad. They're designed to bring the most value to the shareholder, not to the investor. And so they're going to take care of the shareholder first. And so the way they do that is with massive fees. So really what we're really talking about here is understanding how does the system work so you can take advantage of it instead of it taking advantage of you. All right. So that's that's covered in the book, but there's another bucket that I hear from a lot of my millennial friends. They're saying, look, I can put money in the stock market and I might I might make money over time. I might lose it. But once I have an experience, uh, I, no one can take that away. Um, so I, I'm going to invest in, in you know, the experience economy. I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to spend on even education. How do you balance that? Uh, having the experiences that make a life worth living, uh, even going to you know a, a Tony Robbins, you know, unleash the power within. Uh, you know, do I invest in that or do I invest in the stock market? How do you advise people to balance that out? Well, I look at it. You know, people ask me all the time in interviews like this. You know, what's the greatest and what's the worst investment you've made? And it's easy to describe the worst investment, but the best investment has always been me. I asked that question to Warren Buffett, yeah. and Warren Buffett says what. Best investment I've ever made is you. And I said, what do you mean me? He goes, what you do? And I said, what's that? He said, I went to Dale Carnegie. He said, without that, without my ability to influence and communicate, he goes, all my other ideas will be worthless. So I always, and Jim Rohn, my original teacher, used to always say the greatest investment is the one in yourself. And I believed it and I've done it in myself. Yeah. But I also think at the same time that, you know, you need a security bucket, a certain percentage you're going to put that's less risk, it'll grow over time. You need a growth bucket and you need a dream bucket. And I look at the investment side and say, look, if you're going to set aside, you're going to say, I'm going to save 10%, 15%, 20% of what I earn. I'm going to put it in a bucket and then decide where to invest it. That first stage is the most important stage is committing to making sure that those numbers are there. But then I look at it and say, what's my dream bucket? What's the stuff that's going to give me juice? Like, you know, I know some billionaires that literally they, they cross-examine their wives still over and their kids over what they spend. I mean, it's they couldn't. They could spend, you know, a million dollars a day and never run out of money, you know, in, in several lifetimes. But they're still in that tight place. They're still in the place where they haven't really figured out how to enjoy their life thoroughly. I believe that you create a dream bucket. In my dream bucket, I put little things and big things. Little things like tickets to be in the front row at the, you know, the seventh game of the NBA championships. You know, there was it was a goal years and years and years ago. Now it's a regular experience for me, right? or I was gonna charter a plane to go on a vacation. Now I have my own plane. So you start with some of the small ones or a certain amount of money that I could just give away. You know, I wanna, I wanna give away 5,000 bucks a week to people on the street to, I wanna give waiters and people $200 tips. I, wanna, I just wanna fun and light people up. So I came up with all these little fun things. And then what I did is whenever I had a success in my growth bucket, my risk bucket, where you have the bigger returns, I put a third of it in my security bucket, so it keeps growing faster. I put a third back in, so I'm using the house money on my growth risk bucket, and I put a third in my dream bucket. 
Or when I had some really big hits, I'd take a big hit and say, okay, I'm going to take this and I'm going to buy the plane. And, you know, I sold one of my companies for a couple hundred million dollars and said, you know, I got everything I want. Well, maybe instead of chartering, it's time to own a plane. And it changed the quality of my life in some way. So that was kind of dream bucket. But what goes in your dream bucket, things that are not investments. Like even my resort in Fiji, which now is a great investment, but in the beginning, it wasn't. You know, it was just, it's like when people buy, you know, antique cars and call it an investment. You're full of shit. As soon as we have a downturn in the market, that $150,000 car will sell for thirty-five dollars or forty to somebody else, right? You know, it's, it's just how it works. But so you don't put investments in there. You put the things that are going to give you life experiences that you love, and they can be little things that cost a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks. They can be bigger things. But I really believe in having those be funded by victories as opposed to funding that first. And when it comes to my own self-education, I don't look at that as my investment money. I just look at that as a must. I, you know, I've you know I've read seven hundred books in the area of human development, psychology, physiology. You know, I was reading. I didn't read a book a day, but I was reading about one every four days. Because I took a speed reading class and went in. And then I started listening to audios like crazy. And it's just a never-ending process of education. To me, that gives me the edge. And I'm always looking for the edge. And, you know, the people I bump into, same as you, Dave, is always people that are usually the best in the world at what they do. Because they're always looking for that edge. That's what makes right. them the best. They're always hungry. Or there's somebody who's hungry because they set a new goal. Or they've had a big challenge. They're going through a divorce. Or they started a new business. Or their kids have gone to college and want to decide what to do now. And now they look at their life in a new way. And they want new answers. That's when people tend to come to me. And I think then they come to you as well. Uh, it's inspiring to hear that you're doing that. Because uh, when I was younger and I did not have financial wisdom, I didn't do any of that stuff. And it was only when I, I had some really serious health problems that I said, I'm putting 20% into my own biology. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, awesome. Into personal development. Uh, and you know, having made the $6 million, I, I looked at a friend and I said, you know, I'll be happy when I have $10 million. And it was it was such a such an asshole thing to say, but but this is a friend at the same company. Everyone was driving BMW. We we'd all made at least a million dollars, uh, but it, it was it, it was one of those things where I still hadn't gone on vacation in a long time. You know, I I wasn't taking the basic yeah. self care things because you get caught up in that. What's the the Tony Robbins hack for not getting caught up in that 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 greed mindset? Oh. I don't know. I, I think everybody's different. I've never really been driven by the economics. I know that sounds crazy uh, because I've done well financially, but it's never been my gig. My gig, I, I love you know having quality things and I, I admire and respect people of quality craftsmanship and things of that nature, but it's always been about people for me. It's always yeah. been my mission. And, and I think people that get into business just to make money, you can make money, but rarely do you if you're just doing it to make yeah. money. I know it's not for you, Dave. I mean, you're You've you've lived this life of trying to find answers for yourself, and you spread them to other people. I've lived this life looking answers myself and yeah. spread them to other people. And I think in the beginning you don't make money in business anyway. Right? All the money goes back into it. So unless it's a passion project, unless it's truly a mission, it's hard to do extremely well. So my hack for that is to get around is, is give money away. You know, I, I did a whole chapter, as you know, in the book mm -hmm. on Unshakable to show people the science of this that. What actually gives you joy? When people say, you know, money doesn't give you joy, they don't know where to shop. <laughs> because <laughs> as you said earlier, you know, if you buy things, they have a very limited time period of enjoyment. And it's right. different everything, but, you know, usually six months, a year into something that was new and gorgeous, you don't have the same feelings for. Um, but the thing that lasts more for enjoyment is experiences, as you already noted. Experiences live with us. They can live with us for decades. And they really, can they, especially if it's a transformative experience, but the most valuable thing, it's even more than experiences, is giving. Because they've shown with, they, they, you know, today they use technology where they can read the biochemical changes in you 
minute to minute by monitoring your saliva and right. what's happening in your biochemistry. And you know, there are transformations that happen when you give un, you know, when you're not giving to get. I'm not talking about a trade. You know, yeah. when people give and then they don't get, and they're mad. That that was just a trade. There's nothing wrong with trading, but it's not going to make you happy. But when you give, like like they did studies where they, somebody buys coffee for, they spend 20 bucks and buy coffee for the next three people in line at Starbucks, which I hope 20 bucks covers. I don't know if it really does anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is. The joy they get of buying this for these total strangers, just 20 bucks, will usually last multiple days. Whereas the thing you buy, you might get a hit when you get back in the car or something again for a few days, but it doesn't have the same lasting capacity for that. And it can be with small amounts of money, much less big amounts of money. I mean, in my own life today, the goals that excite me, you know, are not like, you know, I'm fortunate enough, I got a plane, I'm gonna get another plane and that stuff. That part doesn't do it for me. What doesn't mean I want to feed a billion people, you know, a billion meals. And now I'm doing an X prize to have a billion people around the world paid sustainably. Um, you know, I'm, I'm providing 250,000 people a day with fresh water in India. I'm going to get it to a million. And, you know, it's saving lives every day. These kids die of waterborne disease. It's so easy to solve. Um, you know, I freed 15 or 100 girls. I'm going to free 10,000. But in the last three years alone, 1,500 from slavery. There are more kids in slavery today and more adults in slavery today than any time in history. Smaller percentage, but a larger number of people. And when I've been able to, and I've you know, gone undercover and done that, and seeing that I can use my resources to take these children that were tied to a bed, forced to yeah. do unmentionable things, and now they're free. I mean, I, you know, I, I have a plane, so I'm conscious. Okay, I'm flying a plane. And, you know, I, I got a carbon footprint. So I did my homework, say, how much is that? How many trees do I need to plant to balance it so that I can do what I did in the last, you know, the last, what, it's been six and a half weeks, I went to 15 cities in eight countries from North America, South America, you know, like Vancouver down to Brazil, you know, back to Vegas, over to Scotland one day, Italy the next day, Russia for 26,000 people the next day, Serbia for my AI the next day, 20-hour flight down to Australia for another big event. I couldn't do that without a private plane in that time period, so it's like 3,000 trees is all it takes, so I planted 5 million. I'm planting 100 million trees. <laughs> I'm more excited about these things than any toy you could give me. And I know that when people taste this, when they have an experience of this, I know it sounds bullshit, it'll change you. But the reason I'm able to do it is because I gave a dime out of a dollar when I had no money. I gave, if you don't give a dime out of a dollar, you're not gonna give 10 million out of 100 million or 100 million out of a billion, not a trillion years, you're not gonna do it. So people hear this stuff and they go, oh yeah, that's great for you, you're doing well. I'm doing well because I did this. I did this when I had no money. I took all the money I had and gave it to somebody. And it was one of those days where I just was inspired. I was touched by it. It was actually an interesting experience. I, had, I was struggling in my business. You know you know business well enough to know. Oh, yeah. Most guys oh, and ladies overestimate what they'll do in the first year and they underestimate <laughs> what they can do in a decade or two yeah. like you and I have done. But it's like, I remember I was so frustrated and I'm you know, like, nothing's working. And it was midnight. I was, I was driving down the 57 freeway in LA in the middle of the night, this area near Pomona, not a nice area. And I was like, what's wrong? And I pulled over to the side of the road and I, I kept these physical journals. I still have the journal. I wrote on one page, the secret to living is giving. And I just started crying. And I realized when I started, it was all about giving. But then I got frustrated. I got caught up in the business stuff. And I wasn't really tied to that. And then, so that started me on a change. And then I was still struggling, though. And I remember about, I don't know, maybe three months later, I was in uh, Venice, where I lived. I lived in this 400 square foot bachelor apartment. And, um, you know, I was sitting there feeling sorry for myself. And reading, you know, watching TV and then looking at my bills and going, holy shit, I have no money to pay my rent. And I had, I don't know, like 21 bucks, I think it was. And 
so I, I left my car because I wasn't going to pay to pay for parking. And I drove three miles to this place that was on the water where they had all you could eat salad bar. And it's El Torito, if you're familiar with it, <laughs> oh, like yeah. tacos and all that shit. I figured I'm going to load up for the winter here. Right. You know, <laughs> and so I go in this place and I'm loading up, eating tacos, burritos, salad. I'm just loading up. I think it was like five ninety five. I figure I could probably make it here like three more times, you know, as long as I don't spend any money on gas. And this beautiful woman walked in the room. I couldn't help. No, she was just gorgeous. But then I was waiting to see the guy she was with. And I looked and the head of the guy was down at her waist. It was clearly her son. And he was, I don't know, probably nine years old, something like that, probably in the fourth, fifth grade. And uh, and he, he wore this three-piece suit and tie and he held the door open for his mom. And then he went over, I'll never forget, he pulled the chair out for her and he stared into her eyes and he was giving her so much presence and something about it just deeply moved me. And so I got up, I paid the bill and, you know, so if I had 21 bucks or whatever, I had 16, 15, $14 left, whatever it was. And, uh, I walked up to this little boy and I didn't look at his mom and I just said, uh, yeah, I just want to meet you. My name's Tony and my name's Charlie. He says, and I said, Charlie, I said, uh, tell me something. I said, um, I said, I just want you to know, I see you're a class act. Who taught you to do that? I mean, I saw you hold the door for your lady and holding up the chair for her and, you know, taking her out for lunch like this. And he goes, well, she's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I said, that's even more impressive. He goes, no, but I don't have a job yet. And he said, I can't take her to lunch. And I, and I didn't have a plan to do this. I just instantly said, yes, you can. And I reached in my pocket. I took all the money out in the world, 15, 16, 17 bucks, whatever it was, slammed it down on the table, change and all. And he looked at me, his eyes are like giant, like garbage can. I'll never forget. And he smiled at me, he goes, what is this? I said, that's for you. He goes, I can't take this. And I said, yes, you can. And he said, how come? I said, because I'm bigger than you are. <laughs> and he just giggled like crazy. And then I, I wasn't doing it for the woman. I just shook his hand and I walked out. But I didn't walk out. I like skipped home. I mean, I probably look like a total dork because, you know, my car wasn't there. But I was like, I had no fear. I had no worry. I like it was the first time in my life where I was beyond scarcity. And I remember I went home, had no plan to figure out what to do the next day to eat. I went to sleep happy as a clam, just like like I was euphoric, and I couldn't figure out why. And I woke up the next morning, and it hit me. I, I don't have any money, I don't have any food, but you know, look, I got food in me. I could fast for a few days, and I got I can go back to the restaurant. I got my whole plan going, and then the snail mail came, you know, the old fashioned mail. There wasn't the internet in those days, and a guy that I'd been chasing for six months that when he had no money, I loaned him a thousand bucks, and it was a huge amount of money for me then. He didn't answer my phone calls. And I opened this letter and it's from him apologizing and give me 1200 bucks interest as well. And in those days that would have kept me going for three weeks, right? You know, or a month. So, and I'm reading this letter and got this check and then I just started to cry, but it was not sad tears. It was beautiful tears. And it was, it was a day that I will never forget as long as I live because I thought to myself, what does this mean? And I don't know if it's true, but I decided what this means is I was rewarded because I didn't do things for stars on my chart. I didn't do it for acknowledgement. I didn't do it because I had the money. I did it because I knew it was right. And and I just and I did it with no fear. And I can honestly tell you, I've had, you know, I got I actually have 54 companies now. And we do wow. six billion in business. But along the way, it wasn't all an easy task. And I can remember being near bankruptcy multiple times, but I never went to that place of fear again since that day. Not because I didn't have challenges, it's just like once you give it all. You know, when you have nothing and you realize there's more than enough, it changes you permanently. And so I, I say to anybody who's listening, one of the most powerful changes you can make is to give now, not to wait. Do you get some gift that's so effing big? Like I remember I came up with this idea. I was supposed to speak at this high school in Houston or this grade school in Houston. And they've been using my material for a year. 
at every grade, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, all up to sixth grade. And the sixth graders have only been able to do it for a year. The other kids were going to get it for multiple years. And I, I just on the spot said, you know what? I want you all to go to college if you want to. So I will pay for your college education for every one of you. And there were 75 kids there. And I said, as long as you keep a B average and I'll help you get a mentor to do that. And as long as you give me 25 hours of community service, because I didn't go to college, but I wanted them to have the compelling future going to college. And I knew that if I could get them to stop being people trying to get from other people, but someone who's there to give, that would change them even more. I lost half of them the first year because their parents objected, single moms, to the kids having to do any community service. You can believe wow. that. The balance, I kept 98% of them, I only lost two, uh, all the way through college. And some of them are now you know, doctors and lawyers and, and uh, a couple of other of them are, have their own businesses. And it's just beautiful to see. But again, when I did it, and I committed, I wrote a contract and everything else. I didn't have the money. <laughs> so I was like, this is a pretty big commitment. But then because I committed to it, the money showed up. And I found that to be true. That's how you create a life as opposed to manage a life per se. And that's what I believe most entrepreneurs do anyway. That is, uh, it's profound. And, and at the beginning of that, you, you mentioned that uh, if you're in business uh, with a goal of making money, that you're probably not going to do a very good job of it. And I might add, you probably won't like your life uh, while you're doing it either. I totally agree. Totally uh, agree. Man, I wish someone had told me that when I was 20. Uh, that that would have been <laughs> helpful. But I, I, I finally got it. I was I was maybe a little slow uh, to to understand that. But I I didn't start Bulletproof uh, with as anything other than a blog to share the stuff that I wish someone had told me. No idea it would turn into the company it has today. Uh, but Passion project. Happy, beautiful. Yeah, happy to make it happen. Cool. Congrats, brother. Uh, and Tony, throughout your life, uh, you've at least all the stories you tell, you have like a, a sparkle in your eye. Uh, you have this just ebullient energy um, of joy. And you've, you talk about times when you've, you've turned it on at various points. And I know uh, because I've seen you backstage, I mean, you, you are very conscious about managing your energy, uh, more so than, than probably 99.999% of, of humans. And you just talked about that crazy travel schedule. It helps to have a private jet, of course. Uh, of course. But even then, that beats the crap out of you biologically. What do you do to maintain that level of energy? Be on stage jumping for 14 hours a day and hop on a plane and do it again the next day. Like, <laughs> give me some of your biohacks here. Everyone oh wants God, to I have know. so many, as you know. You and I share so oh, many yeah. as well of devices that we use. But uh, you know, I have a group that I work with. I've had the privilege of working with a lot of Olympic athletes and um, you know, some of the greatest on earth. And as a result, I've gotten it hooked up with the best trainers and with the best people to measure. And there's a group of doctors that's based out of Tampa that work with a lot of these top Olympic athletes. And I had them come and measure me a few, about a year ago. And it was there, they had the, this, um, device they put on your chest. That's the most advanced of its type in the world. It's like $65,000 and it measures everything, heart rate, availability, acceleration at a level that's so precise. And it's giant. So I had this on my chest for, for the four days. And on the first day, I looked out at them after, I don't know, about two, three hours in, and their eyes are like this big, like garbage can covers on it. Is everything okay? They go, it's okay. We've just never seen anything like this in our life. So in the end, they told me I burned 11,300 calories in nine hours. Now, to give you an idea, I went 12 hours. The battery died, so it didn't measure the last three hours on me. Um, and he was explaining to me, I said, how is that possible? He said, that's two and a half marathons back-to-back -back at a run-walk pace. And he said, Tony, you know, it's not just you running up the building and running around. He said, the minute you got ready, when you were beginning, your calorie intake exploded from the way you use your mind. Yeah. Your mind could change it as well. So that's the first. Second thing that they found was 
but I jumped over a thousand times in one day uh, in those nine hours. I did more than that because it was 12 hours. And he explained to me, I'm 282 pounds. So every time you come down, it's four times your body weight at impact. So he said, Tony, you have a thousand pounds at a thousand times. That's a million pounds of pressure. So they went and did my bone density and they showed me the chart and they go, this is humans. This is Olympic athletes. This is something we're never measuring on earth called your body. Because <laughs> a million pounds of pressure every day has put a level of demand that has made my bones so effing strong and thick. I've never broken a bone in my life. Um, I, you know, you know from being an athlete that when you run, if you run with a friend, there's a point if you're running fast enough where you can't speak anymore because you build up lactate. Once lactate gets to four, you can't speak. Right. I was nine hours into it and my lactate was 12 and I was still speaking. So I tell you that as a background to what I put this body through, what they wrote at the end of the report is 99% of people be in the hospital or dead at the end of this process. And that was one day of the multiple day program. So I have all these hacks. Um, some of my favorites, uh, you know, again, you're familiar with some of these as well, because you and I have shared these before. But I think that uh, from standpoint of you look at your body and think about what do you need? One of the biggest breakdowns in your body is inflammation, as we all know. Yep. Inflammation is where everything starts, the breakdown starts. So I'm a very big proponent of cryotherapy. You know, I put my body in, you know, 200 minus 240 degree Fahrenheit temperatures and in three minutes on there. When I was a football player, you know, I'd load myself up with ice every 20 minutes. It burned like hell. You know, it took me an hour, hour and a half to get everything working. In three minutes, you're done. And now, oh, yeah. as you know, you can go to so many locations where they have them. You don't have to own one. You can pop in. I'm fortunate to own them myself. But I do that three times a week. And, I, and during an event, I do it each day to take that inflammation down because the demands of inflammation is huge. I have a PMF machine. There are many on the market, but I have one that's solid state. And if you're not familiar with it, it it's uh, it, an um, electronic magnetic uh, frequency that is put into your body by this device. In Germany, they use it to destroy cancer cells because healthy cells have 80 microvolts and they have a thick outer cell. Uh, cancer cells, because they're multiplying so rapidly, have a very thin outer cell, and they're only 20 mi microvolts. And so when this electricity hits it, it literally explodes them. And so it's used for that. In this country, it's it's used in order to put voltage into the cells. And you and I both know the quality of your life is the quality of the health of your cells. The cells make up the organs, make up the systems, makes up your body. So it literally puts the voltage in. Now, there's a lot of PMF machines out there. Some are really weak. Some are really yep. strong, and you'll you'll jolt the hell out of you. But uh, the one I work with is a group out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and they're the only ones I know of that makes a solid state, and it's yeah, phenomenal. They, but I take one on the road. They've been on Bulletproof Radio before. I've got one behind me uh, here as well. Oh, perfect, so, perfect. Yeah, they got I'm some the name of the company. What's the name of the company? Let's Pulse Centers. That's right, Pulse Centers. Yeah. They do a fantastic job. And then thirdly, I, I, have, a, I have a hyperbaric oxygen machine, uh, full-blown glass. I have it in my home to give you an idea, and I do that. I do groups of 40 hours. I, you know, I turn on TV program and I watch and go for 45 minutes. I've got a protocol that I do that gives me that kind of strength. I've got the soft chamber back there. I don't know if you oh, can that's see that awesome. on my camera. And my hard chamber is downstairs. So, like, <laughs> Tony, I, I love it, man. Uh, and and I know you have more more toys than I do, but I want the audience to hear, man. You you kick ass, but it's conscious, right? So, what what else do you have going on? Like, it, it's not just an accident. You are a freak of nature, but you're an amplified freak of, a freak of nature consciously, and, and, and that's the mindset that's so valuable. What what else are you doing that, that the audience would just want to know about? I think, um, well, you know, I think you're well aware that I've, I've always, even before I had uh, cryotherapy, I have cold plunges in all my yeah, homes. And yeah. first thing I do in the morning is I go on 56 degree water. Uh, and when I'm at my home in Sun Valley, I go right into the river, which is you know usually about 38 degrees. And it's, uh, you cannot believe the difference in your body. It feels horrible to get in. There's never a day where I go, I can't wait to jump in this cold ass freezing water. Never a day. 
but I don't negotiate with myself. It's it's not only a health issue, it's also teaching my brain that when I say go, we go. I don't yeah. negotiate with myself. So I do that as well. I have um, I do a variety of different types of body work. I take, you know, a chiropractor with me on the road to give you an idea. So I'm just I look at any tool, I you know, I train with a Vasper. I think you have a Vasper yeah. as well. Yeah. But I also use uh, oxygen deprivation so that Beautiful. you know, on all the hills I have no oxygen. So, you know, they did all those tests I told you about. And then four months later, I went and did it again after doing my new regimen of workouts. And OsteoStrong's part of that as well to build muscle. And I had 20% greater output with the same, you know, uh, heart, heart demands. So, you know, I'm continually saying, how do I make it stronger? And I'm 58 years old and I'm stronger. I can lift more. I can run faster. I have greater stability in my back and spine, better flexibility than I did when I was 26 and in pain every day of my life. So I'm always looking at the answers, and I do stem cells. I do cord stem cells oh, yeah. three times a year. Um, you know, Bob Harari is my partner in Cellularity, and we raised a quarter of a billion dollars to start that company. Love Bob. He is the number one genius in the world in that area. So, and we're very excited about the breakthroughs that we're bringing in that area because I just got back from the Vatican where we had the regenerative health conference there, and I was the cleanup speaker, so I got to be there for the whole training. And there are things happening right now, again, that you would think would happen three, four, five years excuse me, 30 or 40, 50 years from now that'll happen in the next three or four or five years that are already in phase two and phase three trials of the FDA. So there's some exciting stuff coming. You know, Tony, that Vatican trip you were on uh, with uh, Peter Diamandis, I was scheduled to go, but it conflicted with my uh, my daughter's 10th birthday or oh, it was my son's, whatever it was, but I missed it for a birthday and I missed one of your big events for another kid's birthday. I tell you, man, that, that sounded like the most epic thing ever to be able to spend a week working with the top stem cell people and all. Uh, because I, I know that you're dialed in on that stuff. And for all of the listeners right now, you know, Tony and, and I both spend a large amounts of money on this stuff. I believe it's the most important investment you can make, even if you read Unshakable. If you're feeling like crap all the time, you're in pain the way you and I both were as young yeah. men, um, you can't put a price on removing that pain. But in my mind, if you take the money that would have gone into your risk bucket and you put it into your biology bucket until you're at at least minimum acceptable performance, I think you're doing it wrong. Would you agree with that? I would agree, but I don't think you have to choose. I think okay. we all have this mindset yeah. that says that I can only do so much. You know, It's like what I tell people is whatever you take off the top and automate, you'll forget about and you'll adjust. And if you're an entrepreneur, you'll make more. You'll figure it out. Uh, Ken Blanchard was, uh, you know, uh, very influential in my life and one of the core decisions I made, which was I remember when I was just coming out with my my first book on limited power and I was coming out with my first infomercial. And, you know, I'm a new businessman. I'm building my company. And, and Ken came to me and said two things. First, he said, how the hell do you run your company? He goes, I speak for an hour. You speak for 50 hours in a weekend. He goes, and I said, I'm not doing a good job of it. And I said, he said, you got to get somebody who really can run this thing for you. And then the next thing he said to me is, don't put a dime of those of the money that's coming from those books into the company. So this is what was taught to me. And I, he said, get all the leads for the company, put a dime in, put all that money in an investment account that you don't touch. And he said, because whatever amount of cash you have for the business, the business will take it. And I found that to be absolutely true in a growing business. So you have to mark it out. And when the business had tough times, I had plenty of money. It was a good shape. Similarly, I think putting money aside or uh, having investment aside for things that make you feel healthier, stronger, there is no greater investment, but it shouldn't be either or. You can still make it happen. You need, to, you need to make these things a must, not a should. When it's a must, it's like people that work out five days a week, they don't have more time. It's just that it's a must to work out. For other people, it's a should. And if you make it a must to take care of your body and a must to keep growing financially, you can get in amazing places. You know, most people 
they, the numbers get so big, they don't get started. But, you know, when I try to get people across, we all know compounded interest. You know, you can rattle off statistics. But usually if you can get a kid to understand this, it changes their life. Like I take kids that are 19 years old and say, look, put aside 300 bucks a month. I know it seems like a lot of what you're earning, but right now you don't have a lot of overhead. Put it aside and just do that for eight years, from 19 to 27 years old. Put it in the stock market and forget about it. You know, the average return for the last you know century has been 10%, but the last 20 years, it's been 8%. Let's assume an 8% growth pattern. That person is going to put in $28,000 over eight years. That's all they're ever going to invest, and they're going to stop at 27. They have $1.8 million at retirement. If a buddy of theirs starts later, starts at 27, and goes all the way to 60 with 300 bucks a year and gets the same rate of return, he ends up with 400,000 less money, and he has to invest for a lifetime. He invests 140 grand. So it doesn't take a lot of money to become financially free or successful, what it takes is a little time and absolute consistency. And I think health is the same thing. And you're gonna try and you know suddenly do one big thing to save your health, it's not gonna work. What I'm doing is I'm consistently doing the things that will make the greatest difference in the quality of my life. And it's my mission to serve, so I gotta take care of this vehicle, because otherwise, if I don't care to take care of the body, nothing else works. What do you say to one of your $100 million plus kind of uh, personal clients who walks in the door 40 pounds overweight and with a limp. Like, what's the first thing you say to them? Well, if they're coming to me, it depends on, I don't say, I listen. I find out why they're here because yeah. talking will be what I think should be done. I need to hear what they want. Right. And so I spend most of my time asking questions. You know, somebody actually went in a session with me recently and they counted, this person stood up to ask me a question and I asked 167 questions before I gave my first answer. Wow. 167. That's beautiful. But I knew so much about the person, how they think, what they feel before I intervene. Then when I can intervene, it doesn't take long to intervene because I know how their brain is set up. I know what they want. I know what they fear. I, you know, I always say life is the dance between what you desire most and what you fear most. That's where people live. So if I can expand your desire and reduce your fears, we get to enrich in your life massively, expand the depth and the breadth of your life. And so pretty much that's what I'm looking for when I'm doing the intervene. But I don't look at anybody that's overweight who's coming in just for money and let them just know, you know about money. I make sure if they're asking for permission or they're asking for my coaching, I always tell them, look, if you don't take care of this, you know, a, a person who's got health has a million goals, yeah. a million, a person who's ill has one effing goal, <laughs> right? Get well. I don't care how much money they have. So you don't want to be richest man in the graveyard is not your goal, right? You got to take care yeah. of yourself. I, I always feel a little sad. I've had the opportunity like you to you know, just rooms full of very successful people and the number of wealthy people 10 years ago who would say, I've done my blood work. It, it was no one in the room. As I have an annual checkup once a year, you know, they hit my knee with a hammer and I must be good. And now you go in and I would say 90% of the room of successful people, uh, they're people who are actively getting data and taking, they're trying to manage their health like their portfolio. And I, I'm really inspired by that because when we get the people who are captains of industry, um, guys like you who understand the things that, that you understand, we will make investments. We'll, we'll do things for our employees that that have that same kind of an effect. And I think what we're going to see is a, a big change in feeding the world, but not just feeding the world, it's feeding the world the right things. I agree. And, and, I, and I think you're going to see such a difference in the quality of people's lives as that occurs. Yeah. There's also some tools coming out. Are you familiar with Samumet in San Diego? No. So while I was in the Vatican, this, you, you got to know about this because you, you'll spread this and your listeners will as well. There, you know, I watched miracle after miracle. You people get up there that were stage four cancer, and you know, the old approach to cancer was kill every cell. Yeah. You hope to kill more, you know, bad cells than good cells. But as you know, 
radiation and and um, you know the the approach of chemotherapy is a pretty brutal approach. I think we're going to look back on this stage. It'll look like bloodletting at one point. Is the best that we knew. So nobody's doing anything wrong. It's just the best that we knew. But so you see these breakthroughs and like CAR T cell you know breakthroughs where people are sent home to die and they're totally healthy now. You see these kids with like floppy spines where you know these kids can't lift their neck or their head as babies and they usually die within six months of suffocation and then a six-year-old walks out and was given stem cells and is totally healthy, right? Yeah. And there's not a dry in the place. But out of all the cool stuff that I saw that was there and people I got to meet, the one that blew me away the most were the people that understood the WINT pathway. Are you familiar with the WNT pathway? Absolutely, I take some herbs for it. Great, so the WINT pathway for your listeners is it's the holy grail to the body. So I'll give you an example. Bob Harari, my partner, is a neurosurgeon and he's the top stem cell expert in the world. If you read the studies that stem cells came out of, it came from him almost 30 years ago where he took old rats and gave them young rats' blood and they grew new muscle, new hair. He took the old rats' blood, put in the young rats, and they got old, basically. So in the beginning, it sounded kind of creepy, like our rich people are going to get young people and feed off their blood. Right. But what it led to was understanding what stem cells are and what they do. So Bob was explaining to me, you know, stem cells are not equal, as you well know. You know, you can go get adipose, which is available in the U.S., which is skin. And, it, you know, they'll take them out of you. But, you know, your stem cells drop off the, the, the earth when you're about 30 and they keep going down further and further. So you're getting old stem cells. If you do bone marrow, it's pretty damn, you know, invasive to say the least. Oh, yeah, and I've done painful. it twice. And uh, yeah, really, really painful. And then the best that's available right now, you can only get outside the country, which is, you know, you can go get cord stem cells. They're 10 days old. So instead of, you know, I'm 58, instead of 58-year-old stem cells, they're 10 days old. They're 100 times more powerful. And they use machine learning to find the very best. Bob was saying, but here's what's amazing. The placenta, which is the, the basis that he's building our new company on, is the most powerful at all of both stem cells and growth hormones. So... There's never been a time in history when a mother who is cancerous has transferred her cancer to the baby because that's how powerful the placenta is. Right. Literally not even cancer can penetrate it, right? And when Bob sees as a, a client, a baby, a fetus that has got spinal bifida where the spine is outside the skin, if it's born that way, it'll die or it'll be paralyzed for life. So Bob will go in the mother's womb while she's pregnant, open the womb, take out the baby, the fetus, sew up its back, put it back in it, sew back up the placenta, Eight weeks later, the baby's born, and there's no evidence whatsoever there was ever a surgery. There's no scar. There's no nothing. If a baby's born in the first two to 10 days, and it depends on the baby, and it chops off a finger or two, they grow back like a salamander because you still have those fetal stem cells. Now, all this is a background to tell you that once those are gone, everything you call you is stem cells grown by a signaling pathway, which is the WNT or the WINT signaling pathway. It tells your brain and your nervous system, make this many brain stem cells, make this many heart stem cells, when to start building them, when to stop building them. It is the system that the pharmaceutical industry has spent a quarter of a century trying to find the breakthroughs to. A company, a pharmaceutical company partnered with this brilliant group of researchers, and then they bought um, a very large company and decided, oh, hell with it, we're not going to continue down this line. And nine months after they stopped being partners, these group, this group figured out the stem cell component. And so here's what it does. They have an injection right now. These things are in phase two. So people know phase one is, is to make sure something is safe in the FDA. Phase two is efficacy. You can have phase two, you know, one A and B. And then phase three is efficacy at scale. So most things I'm going to tell you are either in phase two or in phase three trials, which means they're two and a half or three years away, roughly. So they have an injection right now that they can give you. This blows my mind even, even to mention this, Dave. 
And if you have osteoarthritis, it will grow back your tendons in 12 weeks. One time, one injection, naturally your own stem cells, because they know how to signal that signaling element. And the, and the, the tendons you get are young tendons. They're not wow. 40 or 50 year old tendons. So these guys all, you know, these guys all own the company. They all play football and everything else now. They all have had injections in the knees. And they're like, it's like cocoon, like all these old people getting young again. It's so wild. Wow. They have an injection that I can't wait to get access to. Oh, yeah. That they can put in your spine and it regrows your discs. Imagine all the demands I've made in that area. They have eight cancers that they have a track record on that's unbelievable, including like, you know, breast cancer, testicular cancer. But most importantly, uh, pro uh, not prostate, um, uh, uh, what's the one for your sugar, for your bloodstream? Um, uh, pancreas. But pancre pancreatic cancer, which is, as you know, the most virulent cancer of all. Steve you get Jobs it, you cancer, yeah. You basically die is the bottom way that people look at it. 97.2% effectiveness with one tablet that the person takes and it's gone. I met a woman. Wow. They showed me a picture afterwards. I could not believe it. She looked like a woman out of Auschwitz, literally bones. And I met her, she looked gorgeous. And three months after they started this process, they showed the pictures of her become normalized. And now she has, not only has no cancer, but she's dating. It's just wow. wild. They have, they have one that grows, um, um, what do you call it? Uh, in your skin grows um, collagen. collagen. Thank you. One that grows hair. And then they've got two that are, you know, preclinical. So they're only being done in rats, but every animal they tested has a Wnt pathway. And when you normally test something in animals, you hope it'll happen with humans. Everything they've tested with animals has worked with humans so far, but they're doing things that with the spine and the brain in that area that they have not published yet. So I can't talk about it, but what I can tell you is very exciting for dementia, very exciting for those that are paralyzed. When I say exciting, like beyond your imagination. So everything I told you up until the preclinical is already happening as we speak and is in phase two and phase three trials. This company is the one of the most highly valued private companies in the world. They have a $13 billion valuation. They haven't sold one product yet. And they didn't publish anything until that conference. So a lot of doctors like, oh, this is BS. And then they start showing the data uh, uh -huh. and it blew them away. And they're like, why didn't you post this before? And they said, because we wanted a 10 year jump on everybody because they're businessmen as well. Wow. So they're publishing this year, I think it's 38 uh, articles in various medical journals showing how all this works. Um, it's very exciting. I and mean, it's like, if you just take care of yourself in the next few years, there's going to be some tools out there that are beyond your imagination. This is why I've been telling people, I realistically plan to live to at least 180 years old because I know this stuff is in the pipeline and I know we can do 120 with what we've got now. I, I don't think I'm being conservative, but it makes people <laughs> think I'm nuts. Tony, well, what's I, your goal? I think the most important thing is the quality of your life, right? That's what oh, I yeah. look at. Okay. Like, how long we live, live, we don't yeah. really control, but how long, how we live, and to be able to like replace parts and grow them fresh yeah. is just a miraculous thought. It's not a thought anymore, it's a reality. Do you have a length of time you think you're gonna live that's realistic, assuming you know nothing unforeseen happens? Yeah, I think I think in terms of 100 years is a good long natural life. I think 120 might be an extended life that would be very possible, the tools that are coming. But I'm more obsessed with like being quality. fully alive while I'm here. Oh yeah. And having full functioning while I'm here and peak performance when I'm here because um, I think that's the only, the only thing you're real is today. So yeah, I want to protect tomorrow, um, but I'm not vested in a, like a, a certain age. Right. I don't want to be 200 years old or something like that. But you know, if technology offers me it, I think great. But I think there's an old, uh, Ray Kurzweil told me an old story years ago. It's a really good, really good example. And you know, Ray's one of the greatest inventors of all time. Oh, yeah. And he was telling me about some of these tools that he had just built. You know, I remember he told me he was going to build this tool the size of a pack of cigarettes. And you know, in those days we didn't have a cell phone. 
And he said, <laughs> it's going to be able to read signs uh, and read, uh, you know, the, the menu so a blind person can truly navigate. And he literally told me he'd build it in 12 years. He didn't know how. He just knew the technology would make it possible by then. And he did it six months earlier than he said. So he's just nice. a genius, genius guy. But the reason I bring it up is when you talk about if we really could live forever, would everybody? Probably and, not. And I don't think so. And, you know, I remember when we were at the conference, uh, you know, at the, uh, at the Vatican, and we hung out with a pope and we had some really cool conversations with a lot of brilliant minds. And, but I remember Peter, the amount of raising and saying, how many do you want to live to be 120, 130, 140? Very few people raised their hand. And so I was saying wow. to Peter, it's like, it's like this old story that he told me, there was an old uh, Twilight Zone that Ray Dalio was telling me, I didn't see it, but he told me the story, uh, not Ray Dalio, Ray Kurzweil. And he said to me, he said, in this particular one, this guy is a gambler and he dies. And as a gambler, where's heaven? It's Las Vegas. And if you're really a great gambler, then you would, of course, get the presidential suite at, at the win. And so he says, you know, the guy wakes up in this thing and he's at the top of the most expensive hotel. And he's like, wow, I'm in heaven. Heaven is Vegas. And he opens the, you know, dresser drawers and he sees brand new suits and he puts one on. And he opens the drawers and there's all this jewelry and cash and credit cards. And he goes downstairs and every woman notices him. And, and he goes and he plays blackjack. 21, you win. 21, you win. 10 times in a row he wins. He goes over you know, and rolls the dice and crap, seven, you win, seven, you win. And this goes on all day, all night. He is euphoric. He goes home, not alone, you know, fully, fully happy with the women that he's with, wakes up the next morning, does the same thing again. This goes on for about two weeks. And one day he's at the table and they go, blackjack, you win. He goes, I always have to win. So this is, <laughs> I'm tired of this. He said, I want to talk to the main angel. Something's wrong here. And the main angel comes and he's dressed like, you know, suit and tie and a bow tie and tuxedo rather. And he comes up and he says, can I help you, sir? And he goes, there's a mistake here. I was not a good person. I did not belong in heaven. And the man looks at him and says, who said you're in heaven? <laughs> if we got everything we wanted every moment, you know, would we really value it? If we yeah. had life eternally, would we really value it? So I don't think we're going to have eternal life just yet. But I think we're going to have a chance to extend the quality of our lives. And that is something I'm obsessed about because energy is life. And if we can have more healthy energy, we have more love to share, more joy to share, more things we can create, more things we can give. Life is a, a miraculous place. You, you live that, Tony. And I've got one more question for you sure, sure, uh, to of course. wrap up the interview. Someone comes to you tomorrow. They said, Tony, based on everything you know, everything you've done, I want to perform better at everything I do as a human being. What are your three most important piece of advice? Only three. Uh, number one is why? Because <laughs> while they're feeling this right now, they're not going to feel it when they bump into all the things that are going to get in the way to achieve what they want. Okay. You got to have strong enough reasons and they usually got to be reasons larger than yourself. Yeah. Most of us will do more for others we love than we'll ever do for ourselves. So there has to be a mission to this. Otherwise, what you just told me is bullshit. It's not going to happen. Yep. I think two is you need to find a role model. Now, they may not be doing what you're doing, but they may have done more than what you want to do. They may have done something similar. But you need something that shows you a pathway that can save you time. Because if you're going to learn just by trial and error, you're going to have, it could be a long time. I'm a big believer in compressing decades into days. So I would access for whatever it is I wanted to master is what I do, the very best in the world. And I'd find a way to add value to them so they'd open up to me. But even if I couldn't do that, in the world we live in today with blogs and posts and social media, you can pretty much model anybody's psychology who has any, who's any kind of thought leader today because there's so much to read or, or learn from them. And I say the third thing is, 
you know, if you've got this true mission and you really have a good outline or a plan, you've got to stay fully awake and alive to are you adding value enough in this current moment, in this environment, to whatever you're doing. If you're constantly finding a way to add value, it means you're going to be innovating. If you're innovating, you're going to be doing more for others than anybody else. If you're doing more for others than anybody else, you're not going to have to worry about prospering. So I'd say get strong enough reasons, get a role model, and get your ass to work. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, What powerful advice. Uh, Tony, it's always a pleasure uh, to get to spend time with you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge uh, with Bulletproof Radio listeners and with the world. Uh, You're doing good work. And for people listening, pick up a copy of Unshakable. Help feed a bunch of families and learn something really useful about how to get wealthy because having enough money to take care of your biology and those around you is truly a gift. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, brother. Great to see you again. Take care. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.